Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. It is so good to see you guys this morning, and, uh, and we're going to get into God's Word. We're going to be in 1 Samuel, uh, the, the, the 16th chapter a little bit, and then over in 2 Samuel, and uh, so we're going to jump in there, and I've got this because I'm going to use it on some of you all this morning. Um, let's go ahead and get this out of the way here. Um, so... trying to get everything situated up here. And uh, as we do, let, let me tell you, this is the first time in 13 years I'm not speaking to you as your lead pastor. Ah! So about four years ago, we hired Adam, and, 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 and the thought was that he would take my place, but we were waiting to see if he proved uh, any good. What do you guys think? And on Wednesday night, hey, all that happened on Wednesday night, there's a, there's a verse, and it's, in a, and it's in Psalm 81, and this is a, something that I heard uh, about a year ago. This is what it said, I heard an unknown voice say, I removed the burden from their shoulders, their hands were set free from the basket. And uh, I tell you what, I heard that voice about a year ago. Adam, you got the burden, and you got to put your hand to the basket. So uh, uh, let me give you a, uh, I was with Mark Moore, and he's the guy that wrote Core 52 that we're going through. I was with Mark Moore, and this is the word he shared with me a couple of weeks ago, Adam. He said, if you're a lead pastor, it doesn't matter what you do, it's wrong. (laughs) So, welcome. (laughs) Let me pray, and we'll get into this. Father, I am so thankful today for your word. And uh, Father, I'm asking today uh, that, that you will speak to our hearts. Father, we don't need just another sermon, but we need a message for our hearts to soothe us, to strengthen us, to, to give us what we need to do your work in this place. Holy Spirit, um, I am not equal to the task today, and I invite you into this place uh, to, to translate this message and uh, what the people need to hear to what I need to hear. And so, Father, as we look today at David, as we look today at Jesus, speak to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews, the first chapter, verse 1, is kind of an interesting thing. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets. And Adam talked about prophecy last week at many times and in various ways. What I want to talk to you today is about the various ways that sometimes God speaks to us. The various ways that sometimes God speaks to us. It's called a type. Now, David was a type of Jesus. And now, let me just kind of put it to you this way. What that means is that David is a picture of what Jesus was going to be. David was a picture of what Jesus was going to be. Kathy and I are building a house in LaGrange. That's where we're going to move in June and and, uh, to be grandparents. And we've been looking at floor plans. And you know what? You can't live in a floor plan. It's just a type. It's just a picture. 
And so as we, we look at that picture, we're looking forward to something more. And that's what David was. He was a picture. This is what we know about David, Acts 13 and verse 22. It says, God testified concerning him. I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. He said, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. That's who David was, a man after God's heart. And it says he will do everything that I want him to do. Can I tell you what? That verse gives me a lot of hope. Because if you think back on David's life, did he do everything that God wanted him to do? No. But the grace of God makes it as if we're not bad. The grace of God fills in where I fall short. Anybody in here need that today? Okay. So we're going to look at David today. And this is, this is the sermon and sentence. And the sermon and sentence is our lives must point people to Jesus. Our lives must point people to Jesus. And what you're going to see today are three very vivid pictures of Jesus that I believe each one of us can live out in our lives and point others to Jesus. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to jump in and look at three pictures. The first one is the picture of a shepherd. Picture of a shepherd. That's why I have this shepherd's crook. And uh, and if you don't behave, I will use it today, okay? So I have this shepherd's crook. And the interesting thing is, is that's where we begin as we look at the life of, of, of David, is that he was a shepherd. And, and in fact, if you recall the story, uh, Samuel, the prophet, was coming to look for the next king because Saul uh, couldn't do it. He, he failed in the eyes of God. He did some things, and, and he just couldn't do it. So David was named as the next king. But when he came to look for the king, can I tell you what happened? He got there, and he looked at the oldest son of Jesse. And you know what God says? He's not the one. Stop looking at the outside appearance and start looking to the heart. It's a matter of the heart, folks. So he went to the second son, the third son, the fourth son, the fifth son, the sixth son, and the seventh son. And that was all that was there. And you know what Samuel said to, to Jesse? Is this all? I want you to see what Samuel says in, 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 Samuel 7, in Samuel 16. He says, this is what Jesse said. I mean, there's still the youngest. He is tending the sheep. He's a shepherd. He's the youngest. Now, that word youngest, we don't do a great job of translating it in, in, the, in, the, in this particular translation. It would actually be something very diminutive. Like, hey, yeah, there's one more. He's the runt. This is what I'd have you to understand here. God selects what man rejects. God selects what man rejects. Nobody would have ever thought that David should be anything in God's kingdom. Maybe today, maybe today you're here. You might be feel, feeling overlooked, forgotten, not picked passed over, insignificant, or undervalued. But this is what I'd have you to understand today. God has a place for you. When I was um, getting ready this morning, God said, I really needed to spend some time here because there were people in this room today 
that we're feeling like rejects. Some of our young people, there are others, but the word today is this, folks. What man rejects, God selects. And if you're feeling that, can I just tell you, hear the word today. Because God's got a place for you. John Gray wrote this little book. It's called I Am Number Eight. And it's about David and how David was selected by God and rose to do great things for the kingdom. And so I I just tell you, if you're number eight, listen for the voice of God. He absolutely wants to use you. So we we pick up the story, and David is doing Uber Eats, okay? Uh, That's exactly what he's doing. He's delivering food for his dad to his brothers on the, uh, on the battlefield. And, and, and the interesting thing is that he gets there and there's this giant named Goliath. I mean, this guy is, is huge. And he's standing out in the middle of the field and he's defying the living God is what he's doing. And, he, and, he, and he's mocking the people of Israel. And David says to him, well, isn't somebody going to do something about that? And they basically said, oh, who would be stupid enough to go out there and fight? And, and this is what David says, I will. Now you think about that. So they take him to Saul, and this is what Saul asks. Well, who are you? And I want you to see how how it goes in in verse 34 of Samuel 17. He says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. I'm sure the crowd gasped at that point. A shepherd. Oh, a runt here. He wants to go out and fight. Can, can you kind of imagine that? Oh, yeah, shepherds were considered to be battlers. No, they weren't. Uh, they, they were really the outcast of, of, of that time because they hung out with the sheep and they, and they stunk. But, but, but here he is. And you know what? The next thing that, 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 that David says, is, we find in verse 37. And this is what he said. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. I don't know about you guys. But if somebody can defeat a bear and a lion with their bare hands, I'm going to trust them. But you know what makes me trust him more is that he says, the Lord who rescued me. He knows, he knows, he knows that it's God. Adam talked about this a few weeks ago. And it's just simply this, it's that yesterday's battle gave him the faith to go up against Goliath. The things that he had seen God do in his life in the past, he knew God would be with him to do this. And so I just simply say to you this, is that, that, that he was living the life of a shepherd, and that life of a shepherd, that, that life of a, of, a, of a person that would go out and, and care for sheep, protect them with, the, the st- with his staff, and pull them back in, and feed them, and take care of their wounds, that, that's who he was portraying. And when we get to the New Testament in John, the 10th chapter in verse 11, we read that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. 
You see, David was pointing to Jesus as the good shepherd. Keep that in your mind. We're going to come back to it in just a minute. The second thing that we see that, that David becomes is that he becomes a warrior. That's the second picture of Christ that, that David paints with his life. And, and uh, it's kind of interesting is that David steps onto the scene, and this is what he has as a warrior. He has a sling, five smooth stones, and the truth of God. A sling, five smooth stones, and the truth of God. And this guy is huge. But remember what he's doing? He's trusting God. So, so let's see what it says in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Can I tell you what? David didn't trust himself, but he trusted the power of God. David didn't trust himself, but he trusted the power of God. And then, then let's look at verse 46. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and cut off your head. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. He has the confidence of God in his life. And then he wants one thing, and it's the one thing that is every single one of us needs to be concerned about. And his concern was, was that, 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 that we must be about letting the world know that there is a God and who he is. So he's going into this battle in an amazing way. I just want you to see a comparison of David and Goliath. It's, it's a great picture there. He's about 5'8", probably about 5'8", and, and Goliath was 9'6". If you were an odds maker in Las Vegas, who would you put your money on? Goliath. But if you understood that this little fella had the power of God, if you understood this little fella knew the truth of God, if you understood that, can I tell you what? It would make a difference. You would have that confidence. You would have that power that, that God has. So, so let's keep on reading down, down in verse 47. He says, all those gathered will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. There's one thing I will tell you, folks. The battles that you and I enter into as followers of Jesus Christ, it's about his glory, not our glory. I, I have a life verse, and, and uh, I've shared it with you many times. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. It says, the one who calls you is faithful, and he, and he will do it. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. I actually believe that David understood that verse, that he knew that God had called him to go up against that giant. And, and as a warrior, he was ready to do that. And the, the, the funniest thing is when you get down to the end, you, you wouldn't tell this to your, uh, your, your children's church probably. But he winds that sling up, and that stone hits Goliath right here, face down. And he takes Goliath's sword, which would have been a lot bigger than this, and cuts his head off. And then he picks his head up as a symbol of triumph, saying, this is what my God can do. Wow. Wow. Do you think people believe that day? 
I think somebody in here today needs to hear the power of God is still active and alive and you can see victories in your life today. The power of God is still active and alive and when we trust God, he can do amazing things in us. So David paints this picture of warrior and I think it points directly to our Lord Jesus Christ because what we understand is that, that they nailed him to a cross and he went to battle death. And three days later, what did he do? He came up out of that grave. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. That is the power of God. I love Colossians in, in the second chapter. And I want you to see what it says in Colossians 2.15. He says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus walked out of that tomb. He raised his hands and he was alive. Okay. He was alive. And that day he triumphed over death and disarm the powers and authorities that can come against us. And that's the warrior that David was pointing to. But can I just tell you, we have that same power. Romans 8, it tells us that, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We have that same power. We can become more than conquerors. In Revelation 12 and verse 11, it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimonies, and because they did not love their life so much as to shrink back from death. Can I tell you what, folks? Warriors are what we are also called to be. Third picture is that of king, king. I'm gonna put this on, kinda makes me feel powerful for a little bit. And, uh, and, and as we talk about this picture of King, it, 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 is, a, it is an amazing picture. Mark Moore in his book, uh, Core 52, and I hope you're reading chapter 8 this week, he talks, about, he talks about how David was anointed as king at the age of 15 and waited for over 20 years to become king. Can you imagine that? Two times he had a chance to kill. He had a chance to kill King Saul, but he didn't. Why? Because David believed that you do God's will, God's way, and in God's timing. It's a pretty amazing thing. And I would just simply tell you, go and read the last page of Mark Moore's talk about Jesus and David, because he makes it so very clear. And you know what our Lord is doing right now? He's already taken death, but he's waiting for that day when he will stand up and he will be known as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When every tongue will confess and every tongue, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. So David becomes king. And this whole idea of king, I want you to understand why he did so well as a king. Because he understood that it had to be done God's way, in God's will, and God's timing. And we're going to see that as we look at 2 Samuel 5 and verse 3. He had just become king. And he says, when all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at, at, made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel before the Lord. 
The one thing that David understood is that his kingship was a a kingship that was under the true kingship of God. And and then we're going to go down just a few more verses in in, uh, in the the second chapter of Samuel. It says, Then David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. He knew that he had established him. He knew that the king, he knew that the king was God. And he knew that he was just an under king. And, and that, that is so important that every one of us realizes that, 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 that while we have these places where we reign, you know what? It's he that reigns. Leadership, and that's what kingship just points to. Leadership is a matter of stewardship of God's people. Leadership is a matter of stewardship for God's people. He was not made king for his sake, but for the sake of people and for the sake of pointing people back to God. That points directly to Jesus. I want you to hear what it says about King Jesus in Revelation, the 17th chapter. It says, they will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and king of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. I like that. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Do you see how David's life, do you see how David's life pointed to Jesus? And it's just a picture that our life should do the exact same thing. Point people to Jesus. Every single one of us in here can be a shepherd. Every single one of us in this room can be a shepherd. Can I tell you about your flock? Could be your children. Could be calling right now. Who knows? (laughs) Could be your children. Could be your grandchildren could be your neighbors, could be your neighbor's children. But God has put some people around you that you can care for, that you can love, that you can see that they are, that they, they are fed from God's word. I just simply tell you, folks, if we would begin to live as shepherds and look at maybe our next-door neighbor as somebody that we could begin to feed and care for for the king, can I tell you what? I think we'd see a lot more people pointed to Jesus Christ. Second picture is that of warriors. I think that, folks, if we don't take up the mantle of being a warrior, our country, our families, our world is in deep trouble. And I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to go get a gun and shoot somebody or do anything like that. I'm not talking about war like that, but I'm talking about the war that calls us to get down on our knees and battle. Um, if you're a parent and you're not down on your knees regularly, you're not doing the battle that you need to for your kids. If you're not down on your knees for this country and for our president, can I tell you what? I believe you're sinning. 
if you're not down on your knees, praying against pornography, praying against poverty, can I tell you what? This is where the battle is won. There are times when I've been down on my knees and God has called me to get up and do something about it, but it never starts anywhere else. So, warrior, I'm going to battle on my knees, and if he calls me to battle in another way, I'm going to get up and I'm going to get it done. And I call you to the same thing because you don't know the mountains that will be moved. You don't know the mountains that will be moved if you get down on your knees and you simply take it to God. Grandparents, wow. I'm new with that business, only eight years, but I tell you what, I know that's my job. I know that's my job. And then we can also live out the idea of being a king. I, I know you think, well, that's kind of presumptuous, but I, I will tell you, I believe that God has given us each an area where we reign. We're actually told that we will reign with him when we get to heaven. And I believe right now, and if you're a mom and dad, you've got a place to reign. It's called your family. Grandparents, you've got a place to reign. And it's got a place where you can live under the kingship of Jesus so that you can be the king that we call you. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're at work, you've got a few people around you that, that probably are under you. If you're a teacher or a professor, can I tell you what? You've got that classroom where you reign. And if you will live under, under God making him your king, making him the king of kings and lord of lords in your life, can I tell you what? You will reign and they will know the king through you. And that's what's so very important. So, we're called to point people to Jesus just as David did. Shepherds, every single one of us. Warriors, every single one of us. Kings, every single one of us. David does one more thing. And, and, and he becomes king. And the very first thing that he wants to do as king is he wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, the city of David. Now, if you don't remember the Ark of the Covenant, it actually contained God's law in it, okay? It, it, the Ten Commandments, the tablets. And they brought it, or they tried to bring it to Jerusalem, but somebody did something wrong and died. So the second time that they try to bring it to Jerusalem, they go six steps and then they make an offering. I mean, they, they, they offer to God uh, an offering. Then they take six more steps and they make another offering. And David is worshiping and dancing. And I mean, he is into this thing because he wants to see the presence of God in his life. And when they get it to Jerusalem, he does an interesting thing. He gives everybody in Jerusalem, he gives everyone there a loaf of bread and a cake of raisins. Now, that loaf of bread and that cake of raisins points back to Passover, the bread and the wine. But it also points forward to the communion. And that's what we're getting ready to do is do communion. And, and I simply say this to you, is that, that David was already pointing with his life and the things that he was doing to Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I tell you today, as we take up this bread and this little bit of juice, this fruit of the vine, that we are looking forward to that day when Jesus comes back in glory. But also in this time, maybe you need to meet with Jesus the shepherd.
because you need to have your soul soothed. You need to be cared for. Maybe some of you right now, as you take communion, need to be with Jesus, the warrior. Because there are some battles that are happening in your life, and you need the warrior with you. And maybe some of you all have never given your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and this would be the time. So I'm going to pray in just a second. And uh, we're going to have a time to get communion. There'll be some of us up front. And if you need somebody just to pray with you, maybe if you need a shepherd, I know some of our elders will be here. And they represent the shepherd. If you need a warrior, I'm here. I'll battle with you on my knees about whatever it is. And if you need to give your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we would love to see that happen today. Let me pray. Father, we come right now. We realize that this meal that we're about to take has been carefully prepared through the ages. And I just ask that, Father, that each one of us can come to you Meet with you as shepherd if we need. Meet with you as king if we need. Meet with you as our warrior. Father, I pray right now you'll speak to us during this time. Speak to us. Soothe us. Help us with our battles. Help us to make you king. For I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.